Hello, everybody. We are doing a Friday night chill session. Ask me anything. And let's just check in how your artistic practice is going. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. What's happening, everyone? I have been getting packages in the mail. And I'm wondering who here would like to see those packages because I am receiving packages since our fall raffle is going on right now. And one of the ways you can enter the raffle is to send us things off of our Amazon wish list. I got two little packages, but I have one really big package that's waiting for me downstairs. I'm going to have to do an unboxing because <laughs> this item that somebody sent me is incredibly impressive. I can almost step into the box. That's how impressive it is. <laughs> All right, you want to see the packages? Here we go. All right, so this one is... Ooh, look at that! Charcoal powder! Yes! I have charcoal powder from a million years ago, and this is so embarrassing, but I can't find it. <laughs> Who here does that? <laughs> like, you know you have that art supply for sure, and you just don't know where it is. You've torn your whole house apart. <laughs> So that's why this is on my wish list, because I would like to be able to do some more charcoal demonstrations. If anybody has questions, that's why we're here to hang out. Type your questions into the chat, and I will get to them when I can. I have one more box. I have this one over here. So maybe I'll take a couple questions, and then we'll take a look at what's in here. Because the thing about these supplies, everybody, we use these directly in the tutorials. Oftentimes, there's some supply people mention to me, and they'll say, have you used it? And I'll say, no, I haven't. And so when people send me supplies, it makes it possible for me to test out certain brands and tell everybody what I think the unvarnished truth of all these supplies. And that is so helpful because I did a stream recently on the Sennelier oil pastels and those are pricey enough that I never would have bought them on my own. And so it was incredibly helpful for people to do that. Sham is asking, I'm going to school for studio art in the spring. I want to know if there's anything you could recommend for me. Resources, habits, videos, or anything really. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear that. My recommendation is to try everything once. Don't make any assumptions about whether you think something is going to help you, whether you think it's relevant to your interests. Do it anyway. In fact, sometimes it's 
the experiences that we really cannot find any connection to in all other parts of our practice, sometimes those are the most impactful experiences. And so let's say you take a wood carving class, no intention of being a wood carver, do it anyway for the experience because that informs everything. It's all going to the same pot. Don't worry about careers. Don't worry about, is this going to pay me money? Too often I hear students talking about that. And really what you need to focus on is yourself and experimentation. And then the second piece of advice I would give you is if you ever are struggling in class, go ask the teacher. There's so many times in our Discord where people say to me oh, i'm having so much trouble with this class i don't really understand what the teacher wants me to do and i say ask the teacher and they say oh i really don't want to they're gonna think i'm stupid or not be able to help me and listen you have to be a real jerk to not want to help a student most teachers are very happy to help you and honestly i know it's because i was a teacher we just don't know if you're having a hard time, we really can't tell the difference a lot of the times. And for us, it's a huge help. And so for a lot of students, when they talk to me, they would feel this sense of relief that they could be honest with me about how they were doing in the class. Never be afraid to ask a teacher for help. And if it doesn't help you, then nothing's changed. Hello, everybody. We've got Lionel. Brian, 7A, Amber, Parvi. Let's answer a question from ComCuke. Is there any way to make charcoal and graphite powder less messy? I guess if you were really worried about it, you could wear gloves. That's one way to at least keep it off your hands. But I really don't like having that layer. For me, I lose that sensitivity of the mark that I get with my hand and therefore makes the drawing really compromised. Certainly you could lay down a tarp or something like that, but oh my goodness, <laughs> who here has used charcoal powder? This stuff is so messy. And actually I think between the two, the graphite powder is worse. The charcoal powder has a little bit of a chalkiness to it, but the graphite really has this sheen. And I remember there was one time I had dropped some on the floor in my studio and I couldn't get it all the way gone. And it made that part of my floor so slippery. I couldn't walk on that part of the floor anymore. And I just feel like charcoal powder doesn't do that. <laughs> so if you're gonna pick between the two, charcoal powder may be a little bit better, but I really like graphite powder. I find it extremely helpful. Usually graphite and pencil drawings are very, very slow. And if you have graphite powder, you can just throw it around right the page. In fact, a lot of people I know, all right, well, this is not a foam brush, but they'll actually put down the graphite powder and then take a brush to go over the whole thing. And you can just tone the whole page with a middle graphite color at 
the same time. AA is asking, is there any art supply you believe is overhyped? I was not impressed with those pan pastels. Has anybody used those before? I had a stream where I tried them for the first time. Just look up Art Prof Pan Pastel, you'll find it on YouTube. They just didn't do much. I found them very inflexible as a material, and it's definitely not a supply that I would ever use by itself. I feel like that would be a good supply maybe to lay in some initial values, but in terms of actually articulating things, I found the pa pan pastels rather useless. They're okay, but I didn't have a compelling reason to want to use them <laughs> beyond that one time, and that's usually a bad sign. <laughs> I think people just like them because they look really different. They have all these little circular cases. It sort of looks like makeup, and so I think maybe it's just the packaging looks cool, but as a material, they're really not that great. Magali says, I know that art schools are different, but I've heard some schools prefer having a cohesive theme. What does that mean? And should I make it cohesive? Magali, if you could clarify, are you talking about an undergraduate program or a graduate program? Because that's a huge difference. The BFA portfolio opposite end of MFA portfolio. And it's not so much that they want a cohesive theme, like you don't have to pick one theme and just do that for the whole portfolio as much as they want to see that the pieces in the portfolio are related because oftentimes, and this is very common, I did the same thing, you get out of undergrad and you have all these pieces from so many different classes. You just really, for an MFA portfolio, you don't want your work to look like this patchwork quilt of undergraduate homework assignments. Usually that's what they mean when they say they want the work to be more cohesive. So you could have a portfolio in theory that perhaps has multiple themes, but perhaps some of the themes are related or maybe there's a little bit of crossover. That's okay. I mean, the only time when I think you really have to have something cohesive is if you're having a show at a gallery. That's a professional context. You can't have it look like a portfolio. Seven A says, I'm stoked on your recent fan art streak. Thank you. Any tips on creating scenes and backgrounds to go with your subject? Oh yeah, scenes and backgrounds. They really, I think, make fan art more prominent because the thing about characters in plays or shows and movies, they need a context. Think about the last movie you saw. Everybody tell me in the chat, what's the last movie you saw? Last movie I saw was The Killer with Haha. <laughs> Big surprise, Michael Fassburg is in it. <laughs> and I'm very excited because he hasn't had a new movie since 2019. Yes, I've been counting. <laughs> and I think about all the scenes in that movie and how they were critical to the characters. There's one character who is a big tough guy and he had this horrible pit bull 
that lived behind this chain fence. And that was very important to set the scene for that character. It's a chain fence. It's not a white picket fence. Things like that make a really big difference. I mean, any movie that has anything in it has a context, even if it's a really boring context, even if it's just, oh, somebody's really boring living room. I mean, that says something about the person. Some people really care about interior design. I do not. Maybe I will if I have a lot of money. <laughs> but think about what are some of the elements you can put in the scene that help us understand the character better. Because even things like props are very helpful. For example, I've got all these brushes here. Somebody who has a giant can of brushes in their room probably is a painter. And if I am somebody who's really into makeup, that says something about me as well. And so think about the background and the props. They are storytelling elements that are just as compelling as the character. And I think people just underestimate how much of a story you can tell with just props and setting. Next question. Sarah says, I've been playing with walnut ink lately. Would you consider doing a video on using it? Well, maybe I need to add that to my wish list. Yeah, if anybody has ideas, certain tutorials or materials that you would like to see me try out, I've got my post-it note. So I'll make a little list of items that people want me to try. So maybe in the chat, write wish list and then the item so I know exactly what you're talking about. So I am going to write down Walnut Ink. I can't guarantee anything, but so often the reason I try a supply on a stream is because people ask me about it. I really don't know <laughs> what everybody needs until you guys tell me. Sometimes I have no idea what to do. That communication between us and all of you is very important. By the way, everybody, <laughs> this is a really cute prize. I'm announcing it right now for the first time. Everybody knows these emojis and cartoons of the staff. Mia drew them all. I love them. I don't know how she got them to look exactly like us. Look at this one of Dory. I, this doesn't look exactly like him. Like, how does she know how to do this? This is definitely not what I am good at doing yet. But so for the raffle, if you pledge $50, three people are gonna win the chance for Mia to draw your cartoon. This is so, I mean, I feel like if I didn't already have my own cartoon, I would want this cartoon. It's just so cute. <laughs> but you gotta pledge $50, but three people get it. All the other prizes, only one person gets it. Three people get this one, so much more likely to get it. Let's see. Magalie says, yes, undergraduate about the earlier question about the portfolio. In general, Magalie, BFA portfolios shouldn't have a cohesive theme unless the school specifically says that. It's not that common though. Most of them would prefer variety in terms of media and also subject. Sabrina is asking, what is your favorite brands of soft pastels? Well, here's the thing, with oil pastel and soft pastel, I never use just one brand. I don't have a favorite brand because every brand 
is almost like a different art supply. For example, I really like the Rembrandt soft pastels. They're very good, but they're also a little bit hard, but sometimes I want that. On the other hand, I also have new pastels, which are cheaper. Rembrandt's cost a lot more, but I like the new pastels because they are even harder than that. And so sometimes if I want to do details, new pastels good for that. I also got sent a box of Terry Ludwig soft pastels, and those were much softer, but they had a good weight to them, but they're chunky enough and soft enough that they're not very good for doing small details. And I feel like I'm missing another brand, but the point is there's no soft pastel brand that is the best. They're all different. I mean, to the point that between the brands, the soft pastels almost feel like a different art supply. It's the same deal with oil pastels. And so I always work with three or four brands because they each bring such a different element to the process. Sham is asking, who is your favorite artist of all time? Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't have one, but I'll tell you some of my top favorite artists. Definitely Kathy Kollowitz, Alberto Giacometti. More so his paintings and drawings. I mean, I like his sculpture, but his drawings mostly are what got me very, very excited. Probably Diane Victor who is a contemporary South African artist, and I adore her work. Actually, another South African artist I really like is William Kenridge. And he's very interesting because he's done a lot of prints and drawing, but he does beautiful charcoal animation, which is basically you draw a charcoal drawing and then every time you change it, you take a still and eventually ends up looking like a moving charcoal drawing, which is absolutely extraordinary. You guys can look him up on YouTube. Phenomenal artist. Oh, the new Hunger Games movie is already out. Sheesh, I am really behind. Luis says, how should I approach foundation art classes in college? Any tips? The best thing you can do for yourself as a student is to not worry about product. That is really hard for people to do for good reason. We want to make good work. Who doesn't want to make good work? Of course. But I find when you're a student, if you let the product be too important, you're not going to learn that much. Because think about it this way. I have so much work that I made when I was a freshman at RISD. Guess what? Most of it I don't have anymore. What does that tell you? Oh, was my time at RISD worthless because I didn't sell all those pieces or because I'm not all framed on the wall? No. The purpose of those pieces was to have the experience, the process, because you know something? That is what you take with you when you're at school. The actual physical drawing does not matter that much. I look back on my time as a student, and so much of it was about the experience, was about learning how to research, learning how to brainstorm, 
being willing to try new things, I had that typical reaction. My freshman year, we were required to take 3D design and being somebody who really wanted to do figurative oil painting, my gut reaction was, I don't want to take that 3D anything to do with figurative painting. And I love that class so much that I actually did my master's degree in sculpture. And if I had not had that opportunity in foundation year, I would never have done that. I'm not a sculptor, but that experience profoundly changed my thinking as a two-dimensional artist. So that's another example that even if you don't end up doing a particular thing as your final career, it's still relevant. All of these things really have an impact on everything you do as an artist. All right, we got a lot of wish list items. Yeah, let me know if there's any supplies that people want to see me do a video on, whether it's a live stream or short. Type into the chat wish list and then whatever supply. India ink, I actually have a lot of India ink, Sham, although a lot of it's Sumi ink. So that one I don't need. I have that. Johanna says Marabu water-soluble crayons. Oh, I'm curious because the only ones I've used are the Karen Dash ones. And again, a lot of these items are so different brand to brand. Comcuke says paint and alcohol markers. I'd love more videos using them. I do have a bunch from Tombow, but you know, okay, here's the marker I would like to try is the what is it, the Ohuhu brand? It's the generic one. I think that Blick sells, or maybe Blick has their own markers. Anyway, tell me what brand's alcohol markers, because the ones I have are the Tombow ones. But I've heard some really good things about the Ohuhu ones. Maybe that would be a good thing. Oh, wow. Inji's got a whole list for me. <laughs> Powdered pigments, gold leaf. Sculptures, mixed media projects. Oh, wow, that'll keep me busy. I, I'm not confident that I'll know enough to do gold leaf, but maybe that's the point, <laughs> is to get a gold leaf kit and just see what happens. Powdered pigments scare me a little bit because there's all kinds of health things depending on the types of pigments. I really would need to bring on a guest in order to do that. Brian's asking, what do you think of Gamblin paint? I've actually never used Gamblin before. I don't know if you're talking about acrylic or oil. Most of my supplies are Windsor & Newton. And you know something? It's not even because I like Windsor & Newton. Now. I mean, they're good. I like them. But largely, it's because they sent me a lot of stuff a couple years ago. And so I just never had a reason to buy <laughs> the other brands. I did buy recently some golden acrylic. And I liked the cadmium red, but I was very disappointed in their titanium white. It was so thin. I mean, my experience with golden is usually that the colors do have good coverage. They're pretty rich. They're pretty opaque, but they're titanium white. Not good. And I actually ended up buying Stuart Semple's acrylic white. It's called White 2.0. And it's got very good coverage, but it dries really fast, way faster than I would like it to. But the thing is, now I'm used to it. I know to anticipate. And when I really just want to cover something, it's incredibly helpful. 
Coco says, do you prefer gloss or mass finish to a painting? I think it depends on the painting, actually, because the times when I think the gloss varnish actually gets in the way of a painting is when you have a painting that's very, very dark. Usually, if it's got that much sheen on it, it makes it harder to see those darker values. But that's not always the case. I mean, there's some paintings that look great with that. My one tip for people, though, no matter what you do to varnish, always take a photo of the painting first. Because once you varnish it, oh my gosh, getting rid of that glare when you take a photo is really hard. <laughs> so always take the photo first. By the way, everybody, so you know, if you give a super chat or a super sticker during the stream, that will enter you into the raffle. We also have the raffle link in the YouTube video description below, but it's always so wonderful for people to give support during the live stream. In fact, thank you so much, Luis, for being the first super sticker of the evening. We so much appreciate your support because we don't have any paywalls to our content. Actually, I'm curious, tell me in the chat, how many of you have paid for an online class? And I'm not talking about feedback. I'm saying situations where they say, okay, you pay for the class, you get access to these videos, and then maybe there's a class form or something like that. Tell me in the chat if it was expensive or if it was inexpensive and tell me if you like <laughs> that we don't charge anything but you know something guys it costs a lot of money to run our platform i have to pay staff i have to pay all kinds of things actually you want to see my new toy <laughs> this is my new toy <laughs> it's called a oh, i can't remember the name a gimbal i i feel like it's gim something <laughs> should figure out what it is. Anyway, I bought this because it's a stabilizer for video. So when you're shooting something, you don't get that shakiness from your hand. And it also extends and does all these cool things. So I'm looking forward to using it when I'm on site. But this stuff costs money. You see that phone stand in the back? That costs money. All the art supplies, I mean, actually, what we get nailed on is monthly fees, stuff for our website, free reference photo collection on Flickr. So it's free for you. <laughs> Art Profit is free for you, but it's not free for us. We have to pay. And those expenses have to get covered somehow. So anybody here who can provide super chats, super stickers during this live stream for the raffle, I would be forever grateful. And we also have more options and more information about prizes in the YouTube video description below and also on the homepage of artprof.org. Russian sauce crayons? What is that, Amy? There's a whole technique for using them, grinding to powder, making washes. Hmm. Oh, cold wax medium. You know what's funny? <laughs> I always recommend it to people. I've never used it myself. I mean, it just looks like a lot of fun. I would love to try cold wax medium. That's really fun. <laughs> Magali says, I've heard that fine arts is not a very useful major compared to illustration or design. How do you view this? Great reply from Blue Wolf. There's nothing you learn 
that's useless. I think sometimes what people refer to when they say something like that, Magali, is that fine arts doesn't tend to be as commercially viable as illustration and design, but illustration and design are, are tough fields. They are fields that are very competitive. And so it's not that fine arts is not very useful, but that I think illustration design feels more concrete for people. For example, there are architectural firms, there are advertising agencies, things like that are very concrete. Whereas fine art, so many options, there's a million ways you can make a living as a fine artist. And I think when it's that vague, the average person doesn't feel like it's useful because they don't really know how does one become a fine artist and everybody does it a completely different way. And it's frustrating because at least when I was in art school, people would say, well, I'm going into graphic design to make money. And that's fine if you want to do that. But oftentimes people say, I hate it, but I need to make money. And I'm like, you're competing with a lot of people that actually do like graphic design. Who do you think is going to do better? If you're just resentful of what you're doing the whole time, it doesn't matter what field you're in. And I think that people can tell when you don't like what you do. It's very obvious. And so you're much better off finding a field that's closer to your interest. Don't do something because you think it will make money. Because you know something? You can go graphic design and never get a job. I mean, if you've got a lousy portfolio, nobody's going to hire you. And so a lot of it is on you, actually. It's not the major. There's no field where it's like, yes, you're guaranteed. Otavio says, how do you match the colors from a digital photo reference when using gouache? I'm really struggling with this. What I would recommend anytime you need to color match anything, whether it's from life or photo or whatever, I think it's very important not to look at one color at a time because colors act together. Okay, so here we go. See this drawing? I did this on a live stream. I should stand here. <laughs> Can't see the colors. Does everybody see that blue in the background? That turquoise affects how we see everything else. And so sometimes people say, oh my God, I can't get the right yellow. And I'll look at it, I'll say, actually, it's not the yellow that you need to fix, it's the brown that's next to it. Because whatever color is next to that yellow impacts that yellow. You can have the exact same yellow. And if you put it next to two different colors, it's gonna behave differently. The way I put it is that colors are like people. They are like people in that if you have two people together, that is one relationship. If you change out a person and add somebody else, totally different dynamic, you're going to behave differently. So look at the color that you're trying to match by looking at the whole color scheme. I just think when you try to do color by color, that's when it gets really, really difficult. I would prefer to have a bunch of colors that maybe are not accurate to the photo exactly, but capture the mood of the color scheme. That I think is more important. And I, I just don't think that color matching is as important as people think it is because there are so many paintings I see where the colors are just totally all over the place, but they're really beautiful. 
Doug is saying, can you use cold wax and oil paint over oil pastels or will it peel? Well, first of all, you don't want to put oil paint on anything that hasn't been primed. Something that has gesso on top of it, rabbit skin glue or something like that, because the oil paint will eat into the surface. I don't actually know how oil paint behaves on top of oil pastels, but it does not sound like a good idea to me because oil pastels are fairly inconsistent in terms of how they cover a paper. So you could have an oil pastel drawing where maybe one part of it, the oil pastel is like really thick, but inevitably you're going to have a couple spots where some of the paper is showing through. And that's where I would expect that the oil painting would just leak into that area. So it would not be archival. I would recommend cold wax and oil paint separately. I think there's just too many issues with the oil paint eating into things. Carolyn's asking about Copics. You know something? I have a couple. I bought some for my kids several years ago and I didn't like them. That's a supply that's overrated. Somebody asked me about that earlier. Everybody raving about Copics. Oh, they got Copics. But number one, they're so expensive. And number two, they're really not that great. I mean, one of the things, I mean, I'm sure for some people it's your cup of tea. It's not mine though. One of the things I didn't like about them, the tips are a little bit too wide and they're also really floppy. And so I actually found them very difficult to control. The Tombow markers that I have, like here's one I have right now. You can see the tip is really thin and the Copics are like double the width. And I just found them really hard to control because they were so floppy and they're not light fast. And guess what? Copic doesn't do a very good job of advertising that probably for good reason. Yeah, Copics are definitely overrated. Coco is asking, what are your thoughts on small size paintings? I think they're great. Here's the thing about size, everybody. Oftentimes there is this bias that, oh, if the painting is bigger, it's more impressive and more ambitious. I think the artwork you make should be whatever size it needs to be. If you're making the piece and it's just some random size, that's not a good thing. Now, let me be clear, this is very different than if you're just practicing. If here, this pastel drawing, I wasn't thinking about size. I was like, oh, it's a demo. I'm just doing this for practice. But if I'm doing something like this, so this is the one that I started on a live stream. I did the second stage the other day. And that piece, I really did think about scale because I wanted to be able to get enough detail in there. And I felt like if it was smaller than that, I wouldn't have an opportunity to do it. The thing not enough artists do, ask yourself, why? Why am I using acrylic? Why am I making it 12 inches by 12 inches? Why did I decide to paint this? That's very important. I mean, how many of you guys have done that to yourself? Asked, why am I doing that? Because it's actually a very good exercise because you start to realize that, wow, I don't ask myself that question very much. And it's a really good exercise 
even if you're not writing an artist statement and you're not doing anything professionally, if you paint flowers all the time, why do I paint flowers? It's just a really good exercise when it comes to thinking about your work. Put your questions into the chat. I will go through them. Sarah says, I'm a lawyer in my 60s and I can't wait until I can afford to leave my job so I can just draw and paint. Any advice? Art school, just get a studio and do it. It depends on your situation. Certainly art school is an option, but it's not as important as people think it is anymore. When I went to art school in the 90s, there was no YouTube. The only option you had was to take a class or go to the library. That was it. We learned from books. I mean, I guess you could watch Bob Ross, but yeah, he didn't offer a lot of <laughs> different topics and media. I think what's great about today is that people just have so many choices. That said, though, that does lead to quite a bit of decision paralysis. And what I do find that's difficult about online learning is knowing who to trust. Actually, I'd love to hear that. Everybody in the chat, tell me when you watch content, how do you get the feeling that whoever's teaching you something is somebody you should trust? Because I think as a teacher, that is the most difficult thing to do with your students, to get your students to trust you. And I can't put my finger on exactly how that happens, but it just drives me crazy because I'll see these videos online where people will come to us and say, oh, I saw this video. It says you have to do it this way. And I say, no, you don't. <laughs> really? I, I, I'm like, you don't. Because you know something? Not everything works for everybody. There are certain ways of drawing that I can't do, that other people are really good at that I just, it's not my cup of tea. And um, that's very difficult. So Sarah, I think it's about finding a situation that works for you. I mean, I know some people who are here are in say our Patreon group, which is a wonderful group of people who are very invested into each other. So I know some people are in the Patreon group, but they also might go to um, a museum sketching session with a couple other people at a local museum, or maybe some people are doing an in-person class and some people learn entirely on their own. We also have, I mean, I know I'm a little biased, but guess what? We also have these workshops, which by the way, this is a raffle prize. One of the raffle prizes is you get to take a free workshop with me. And these are not in person, they're virtual, but we have a lot of fun. So we, in just our prop itself, we have a lot of different ways of working because I really wanted to create formats that would work for all different kinds of people, all different ranges of abilities and ages, generations was very important. My recommendation to most people, Sarah, is you don't need to go to art school. The only time you must go is if say you want to teach at the college level, if you want to do something like architecture where you actually have to get certification, things like that. But let's say you want to learn to paint, you don't have to go to art school. Kat is asking, how would you go about dealing with a teacher who looks at your work during critique period in front of other students and says, yeah, that's been done before and looks uninterested? I think I would ask the teacher to explain 
why they think it's been done before. For example, one of the reasons I would say that to somebody is let's say somebody brings in a fantasy illustration, okay? And let's say it reminds me so much of the matrix that I just look at it, I go, matrix, can't think about anything else. Like, that's a problem. You don't want your original work for people to go, oh, that looks just like Star Wars. Like, that, that's not a good reaction, okay? But oftentimes, as a student, we maybe don't know. I mean, I've had students bring things in and had no idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, we know that Soylent Green is made of people. <laughs> Who here knew that, by the way? Maybe some of you younger folks don't know that Soylent Green is made of people, but it is. <laughs> it's okay for you to ask the teacher and say, well, why has it been done before? How can I fix that? Because oftentimes, and for good reason, students will listen to critique, but they won't engage. Because listening to a critique is very different than engaging. And a big part of it as a student is saying, you know what, I don't understand that. Or why are you saying that? That is okay to say all those things because some teachers are not very good at articulating things, myself included. Sometimes I misunderstand something. And the only way I can know that is to get some clarification from the student. There's also the argument that everything has been done before. I mean, it totally has. <laughs> I think a lot of the way art is perceived has to do with the context that it comes into. Is the artwork seen in a white cube gallery? Is it in a TV show? Is it in a local art fair? That's a big difference. People don't realize that, that certain contexts are actually bad for your artwork. That's it. <laughs> I knew I knew it was Gim something. Okay, yes, here it is again. Gimbal. <laughs> I couldn't remember. I was like, G-I-M-B-A-L. Anyway, this is my new toy, a toy that costs $150. And so that's where <laughs> we need our expenses covered, everybody. And I really mean it because having no paywall is really dumb. It's, it's a really bad business model. So if you're thinking about starting a business, set up a paywall. <laughs> That's my recommendation because the paywall would fix all of our budget problems. But I'm an idiot and want to make it accessible to everybody. So did you see the problem here? <laughs> it's, it's really not very good. And we have a super chat from Inji. Thank you so much for your support. And we have another one from Ramen. Thank you so much. All right, let's see what are some of the other comments that people are talking about. Okay, Inji's asking, how do you deal with major blocks and life interferences to creativity? It's inevitable. How many people here, because people have told me this in the Discord, that they get frustrated because they don't have a consistent art practice. Because we get that all the time. People will come in and say, well, I haven't been able to draw every day, and I'm so frustrated with myself. If I was a real artist, I should be able to have a really consistent practice. 
I'm a great example. I'm all over the place. <laughs> like, like, you see this? This is my gallery of unfinished work. Because we have the Sweeney Todd piece. That red piece is a piece I did at the Kennedy Center. And the Sweeney Todd piece with Josh Grobin and all the blood still needs some lettering. So I probably have right now at least four different works in progress. And I, I just, whenever I feel like it, it's like, oh, well, I've got a half an hour. I'll do this. And so life always interferes. And the way I see it is I say to myself, this is what I've got. This, this is what I can do. Because nobody should feel guilty about those things. It's only negative. Saying to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm not consistent enough or getting mad at yourself because, oh, I didn't draw for a week. You guys, I have gone months without making any artwork. I'm not exaggerating. I know that sounds crazy, but I have because life got in the way. I mean, first year and a half of my first kid's life, I didn't do anything. I just took care of the baby and I could bother myself about it. Or I could just say, you know what, right now I'm taking care of my baby. I'm not doing anything else. So it's always okay for that to be the case. This is interesting. Ramsha says, no, this may be weird, but I trust people teaching something on YouTube based on their body language and passion. I like that. Actually, who <laughs> here? You guys, I love watching celebrity clips on TikTok. It's so dangerous. It's like potato chips. But has anyone seen that viral video of Ben Affleck? Jennifer Lopez is getting into the car and he closes the door. And he just does it with so much anger. <laughs> I've watched that clip like 10 times. I found it so funny. But it's like, yeah, you can't hide that body language. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, good point, Brian. Studios are expensive. Consider that. And then consider, is it right for you? I don't have a studio and I still make art. Sometimes a studio can actually be an impediment to making work. I did have a studio a really long time ago. I was subletting it from somebody back when I was in Massachusetts. And I had to drive 10 minutes to get there, which is nothing. But sometimes it was enough for me to not go. I had a series that I was working on, these drawings that were seven feet tall. And so I really did need that studio. But I can totally just go, oh, here's a painting. Okay, I'm, I'm going to work on it. It's sometimes you need those minor barriers taken down. Oftentimes I have supplies out because sometimes I'm like, oh, where's my acrylic? I don't know where it is. So having to take 10 minutes to sift through all my shelves is enough for me to not do it. Oh, this sounds really stupid, but it's very true. And Parvi says, when I was learning watercolor, I saw a video where they said, what and what is a true watercolor technique that really turned me off? Watching you do dry brushing techniques was encouraging. I think it's an example that when people teach, if they teach using hyperbolic words, like never, the best. This is terrible. Unless it has to do with your safety. Comments like that, that are so just strong and unflexible, that's not good. 
it's a matter of fit. And so I actually tell people, listen, don't just learn from me, learn from a couple other people so you can get a better sense of really what's out there. <laughs> Seven angelic. <laughs> it may be bad business to have no paywalls, Clara, but we're very grateful and glad you did it. Well, it's hard. And that's why when like Sarah just did, you give us a super chat, it makes it that much easier for me to sleep at night. <laughs> I love what we do here so much, but I do lose sleep at night over the budget because we're not rolling in cash at all. I know people look at our YouTube channel and they say, wow, you have so many subscribers. Wow, you're making so much on Patreon. And you know, we use every cent because, and I'm cutting corners half the time because we don't have paywalls, but I've always felt adamant that we didn't have the paywall. That was the whole concept. In 2014, when I had this idea for ArtProf, that was fundamental to us, to make it accessible, to give it to people who would normally not have it. That's why we're here. And, and yet now I'm like, shoot, that was a bad idea. <laughs> Budget-wise, it was not a good idea. But I've met so many wonderful people who never would have gone to art school. And I'm so grateful for that experience, but we need those bills to be paid. <laughs> okay. Ellie Nay, Nail, sorry, I don't have to say your name. Can you do more videos about architectural perspective drawings? Hope you have a good weekend. We do have a couple. If you go to artprof.org and you just type perspective into the search bar, we have at least two or three that you can take a look at. Some of them are particularly targeting linear perspective, but you can take a look at that. Yeah, consistency. Honestly, anybody who tells me that they are a consistent artist and they keep to a schedule, George says the same thing. I'm like, you're such a liar. <laughs> I just don't, I don't think even the most well-off person with the fewest number of responsibilities can do it. Creativity isn't like that. I can't say, okay, I'm going to be creative for two hours every day. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Inji says, maybe get a marketing advisor to make some tweaks to be profitable. You deserve it. We could, but it's expensive. And honestly, a lot of people don't really understand our model because it's so strange. And what I'd rather do is hire the people we already have to do more of the work. Because actually recently I asked Dorian to do some editing. So it wasn't just me and Mia and it was fantastic. I mean, he had such a different way of editing and it was a really good shakeup to the way we did our content. And honestly, a lot of the marketing stuff that I hear out there is either against what we do, or it's like not a good fit for artists because the artist is such a specific audience. So I'm not saying that we would never do that. I'm just saying that it would have to be somebody who I really felt would understand who our audience is and what we're doing. But yeah, that's expensive. And I'd much rather spend the money on our staff who are already here and cover some of those monthly fees like LLC renewal. I know it's really boring, but this is what it takes to run ArtProf is paying for 
our Podbean subscription and paying the monthly fee for our Google Drive store. It's really, really boring, but we have to pay for these things. Yes. <laughs> Hugh Jackman is a sponsor. We need him to start painting. And then he'll like look up how to draw charcoal and then he'll find me there. <laughs> That's what we need. Crispy says, how do you feel about cartoonists and art education? Some of my favorite artists are people like Rebecca Sugar, who made Steven Universe, by the way, everybody. I find it's hard to find resources for that type of work, animation, comics, etc. I think it's great. I think, personally, cartoonists, when they're good, they are amazing. Cartoons were so influential to me as a child, and I didn't even think about it. It's just they were there. Who here grew up with comics and what comics were influential to you? So for me, a big one was Peanuts. I read so many Peanuts books when I was a kid. There was a used bookstore near where my parents worked. And I remember I used to go there. They have these like miniature Peanuts books and they were 30 cents each. And I would buy every single one that came into that store. And the other one would be Calvin and Hobbes. I think what I would say, Crispy, is that oftentimes the skills you need to be a cartoonist, they don't have to come from a cartoonist. So for example, one thing that's critical in storytelling, comics and cartoons, as somebody said earlier, backgrounds. You don't have to learn backgrounds from a cartoonist. You can learn backgrounds from anybody. Bill Watterson, who made Calvin and Hobbes, had extraordinary pen and ink technique. Again, you don't have to learn that from a cartoonist. And so I think part of it is learning to see how various fundamental skills can be applied into cartoons. Now, of course, it's easier if you can find somebody who can talk to you in terms of a cartoon language. But I think it's a mistake to think you can only learn something from the person who's doing that exact same thing. For example, Dorian, who you see here, he went to school for industrial design, but he's doing all kinds of amazing things with fashion. And so you, you might say, oh, well, Dorian, you, you really should just learn from a fashion designer. And he's like, no, I got all these ideas from industrial design and thrifting. And he has so many different resources. And so part of it, Crispy, is really targeting fundamentals and then saying, well, how do I bring this into the cartoon world. We do have a world building stream that I did with Jordan, I think with Mia. But if you go to YouTube and you just type in art prof world building, you'll find it. And we have a lot of content in there about how to go about doing those things. Nick Cruz says, any tips on how to stand out with my MFA portfolio? I work with oil paint primarily, but I also incorporate mixed media illustration into my paintings. Depends on what you want to major in because an MFA in illustration is a totally different universe than an MFA in painting. And it's not about standing out as much as it is about demonstrating your maturity as an artist. Because oftentimes what happens with MFA portfolios is so I find that people have a lot of gaps in their learning. Some people paint really well, but 
they haven't had any experience with thumbnails or ideation and composition. And that is a big gap for somebody who wants to go into painting. And the other thing about an MFA portfolio is that you don't want it to be too scatterbrained. So for example, I would not recommend a portfolio with fine art and illustration. Mixed media is just the way you make it, but illustration and mixed media aren't typically two things that go together. I would recommend if you want customized help with your MFA portfolio, join our MFA group because we have this in our Discord and you get daily feedback from me and also Lauren who just finished her degree at Hunter College. Because what I find is that I can give all the advice all day, but ultimately what it comes down to, especially with portfolios, people need customized advice because you don't really know how it applies to you until somebody's looking at your portfolio. So we have information on this in the YouTube video description below. It's 30 to $40 a month, which I think out of everything we offer is the biggest bang for your buck. Kat says, as for trusting an artist, I look at little things like the way they toss the work they just did or offer to donate work because it's used on defective paper, et cetera. Some YouTubers think they're famous. <laughs> That's very funny. You know something? For me, the signal that somebody is just blowing a lot of hot air. You ever go to artist's website and it says international award winning? I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so I know that's really mean. But the thing is, the artists who are internationally known and exhibited, they don't have that on their website. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go to Kara Walker's website and she's not going to write award-winning artist in big letters on her bio page. Like, so to me, that's always a really big red flag when somebody is just trying to puff themselves up so much. Oh, I love this. Dilbert, Archie, Doonesbury. Oh, Bloom County. I loved Bloom County, Brian. I've read that so much. Oh, Edward Gorey, BC, Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I know it's like all these shows. I mean, if you're like me, there were three channels. <laughs> That's what you had to watch. There were not a lot of options out there. Oh, and Looney Tunes. Love that. Tom Cuke says, if you were studying an artist style, what things would you make sure to look for or pay attention to? Do you just do master study drawings? Master studies are fantastic. And one of the best ways to really get inside an artist's head and physically, literally do the kinds of strokes that were in their artwork. I mean, that's a degree of study and engagement with history that you just can't get reading a textbook. So in my opinion, every artist should do a master copy at some point and really think about, okay, what was that experience like? How did it really affect me? Because people oftentimes think the master copy is about, does my painting look exactly like the master painting? Actually, that's not that important. What matters more is that you got into the head of the artist. You started thinking like that artist. The final painting is more of a leftover. I know people want to feel the satisfaction of, oh, it looks like a Vermeer, <laughs> which it won't, by the way. <laughs> There's only one Vermeer. You, you did the best you could. That's fine. <laughs> but that's the important is, again, the experience is not about the pro product. It's about the process of how you got there, how you decided to think about those marks that you made. 
And by the way, everybody, if you have questions, type them into the chat and I will bring them on when I'm ready. And by the way, we need to keep those super chats, super stickers going. There's also the raffle page, which is in the YouTube video description below because we need all the help we can get. I don't know if anybody heard, but our Instagram got hacked, I think five days ago. It's still not back, even though Meta was like, oh, three to four business day. I'm like, yeah, right. We're on like day five now. And yes, I am kind of panicking because out of all of our social media platforms, Instagram is the one where we have the most engagement. And I'm like, why is this happening during raffle? This is like the one time during the year where it like really, really matters. So since I'm not reaching all those people on Instagram, if you can all help support what we do by giving to the fall raffle, oh, it would make me breathe a little bit better because, oh my gosh, like the thought of not getting the account back, I, I just don't even want to go there because we had something like 30k followers and it took us years to get there and i just yeah i i don't even want to think about it i'm trying hard not to i hope i get a reply soon but yes that that was very upsetting that that happened <laughs> yes carolyn if you want you can tape that banana to the wall you can call it master Shady. actually you guys are going to love this. We have a really funny video. Well, I think it's funny. Maybe other people don't. It has to do with duct tape, but I'm not going to tell you anything else. It's very, very funny. <laughs> oh, I love this so much that so many people have such strong connections about all of these comics. Oh my God, Garfield. <laughs> you know what's funny? When I used to read Garfield, I didn't know what lasagna was because my parents are immigrants from Taiwan. Like we never ate lasagna. And so I always thought it was just this, I, I don't, I didn't even think about it as pasta. I just thought it was like a brownie or something. <laughs> I just had no idea what that really was. Meridia says, trying to learn acrylic painting. Do you guys do acrylic? Yes, we do. If you just type into YouTube or artprof.org, click on the search bar and just type in acrylic, you will find tons and tons of content about acrylic. I, I just made friends with acrylic again. I did not get along with acrylic when I was in high school. I, I just hated that it dried so fast. It drove me crazy. But actually, in retrospect, there are a couple things I did wrong. The first one is I didn't use any mediums. I only used water and there are so many great things you can use like matte medium you can also add gloss gel medium stuff into it that is extremely helpful and then the other thing i didn't understand about acrylics is i painted so opaquely i would put down a thick brush stroke and i didn't understand the concept of layering in painting i didn't know like here this piece you're looking at, this is a watercolor, but this is an underpainting. I'm going to do other stuff on top of it, but I didn't even understand that concept. So I would do a painting and I would just think about it as like one layer. And that was a concept that I just, nobody taught it to me. I had no YouTube to figure that out. And so if there's any advice I would give to people about painting, 
paint in layers because painting in layers, a lot easier to make depth. And you don't feel like you constantly have to repaint things because I oftentimes paint with glazes, which is transparent paint, paint that's been watered down a lot or has matte medium in it. So when you put on a glaze on a painting, you're not repainting things. You're just adjusting, adding another layer on top, which is very different. Thank you so much, Comcuke. Been watching since 2020. Art Prof has always been extremely helpful. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. Keep those super chats coming, everybody, because we need your support. Things like our free reference photo collection. We have over 15,000 photos. I'm like, how did that happen? But guess what? We have to pay monthly fees to maintain that reference photo collection. We have to pay our staff. I mean, that's one of the biggest expense, I probably is the biggest expense that I've always felt very strongly that our staff is paid a living wage and that they are valued for their unique skills and quality and that costs money. <laughs> so we need it to support them and make sure that working for us is not a bad experience. Oh, right. Gary Larson. Oh my gosh. I don't think a lot of the younger kids now know about the far side, but I, I don't know. There's something about that humor. That's just, it's so subtle. Sometimes it's not laugh out loud, like crazy humor, but it, it's like, it gives you a really good chuckle. <laughs> it's kind of like New Yorker cartoons, something like that. Oh, Shashank. First time catching a live stream. Oh, I love that. By the way, I know there are 75 people watching. Everybody come into the chat and just say hi. You don't have to say anything else because I know there's a lot of people who are lurkers and I think that's fine. I think for some people, typing stuff online can be a little stressful, especially if you're new to a community. But I do love hearing from all of you. Or how about everybody do this? Say hi and tell me where you are. You don't have to be super specific. You could just say Asia, or you could say I'm in Sweden, or I'm somewhere in the US. But that is an amazing thing is that our audience is international. That I've talked to people in Morocco, like, isn't that extraordinary? I've gotten emails from Nigeria. I mean, it's just incredible. So I, I always love asking this question because I, I just am blown away by that. And I have done meetups in Europe to see people who are part of our community. I met up with a bunch of people in Portugal. In Portugal, yeah. oh, excuse me. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, Portugal is not that big. It's not like I'm going to Paris or London. But we went to Portugal and we met up with so many people from the community. It was just so extraordinary. And so we did meetups in Canada. We did them in New York City as well. And so th this is really what this community is about. I mean, yeah, we teach stuff, <laughs> I hope. But it's really about the people. It's really about the relationships that we all develop. And even if it's just a, a moment that you interact with one person, let's say in the live chat, maybe in the Discord or something, that is valuable that we bring together this community. And it's a ton of work. <laughs> Not going to lie. I mean, most of the time I try really hard not to complain about things, but the raffle's the one time you're going to hear it from me. It's just, it's so much work. It's a constant hustle and we do it with very little support. So I would so much appreciate that. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love this. You guys, 
look at what we have. We have got Mexico, Malaysia, Nevada, Brooklyn, Boston, Cancun, west of Boston, Houston, states, northern Wisconsin, Canada, eastern Mass, Virginia, Iowa, Washington, D.C., Oregon, Tasmania, Southern California, oh, San Francisco, California, Kansas City, Missouri. Fantastic. I just love that, everybody. Rachel says, Art Prof rocks. I'm still friends with my high school art teacher 40 years ago. Amazing. Ola from Bisbee, Arizona on the U.S.-Mexico borderlands. Come visit us. You guys better watch what you say to me because I might just show up <laughs> wherever it is you are. I would like for travel to be a regular part of our programming because I have been trying to cultivate my new YouTube channel, which by the way, if you've never heard of it, is called Clara's Art Adventures. And I just started it and I barely have enough time <laughs> to keep things going. But my feeling is that if I want to get my own Netflix show where I travel the world, I better have something to show them. So take a look at it. The link is in the YouTube video description below. I also started a separate Instagram for it. So I don't have a lot of time to do it right now, but I'm hoping just slowly incrementally build and maybe after a little while it'll happen because that is my new pipe dream. I mean, our prof was my pipe dream and I'm living it right now, which is amazing. But this is my like selfish <laughs> pipe dream. This is, I think, the most exciting intersection of culture and art and international travel that I just would be totally dying to do. So take a look at it, everybody. Susan's saying, have you seen the Forge's masterclass BBC? He forged paintings using regular house paint and all sorts of wild products. I haven't. Well, that's really cool. I really like that. Oh, Ireland, butterfly, blue shorts. Oh my gosh. My dream, you guys, is to go paint plein air in Ireland. Like I, oh, I can't imagine what the landscape must be like in Ireland. Oh, I would just love that so much. That would be the most incredible thing. Very cool. And remember everybody, in addition to all of the ultra cool prizes that we have, the one that I am the most excited about is Mia's various cartoon heads that she is offering to do for people who pledge $50 and up. Mia will draw your cartoon. You know our emojis that are in the Discord? I, I just, I love mine so much. I, I don't know, it's like, how'd she get the shape of my face? Perfect. And this is a cool prize because not just one person gets it. Three people are going to get it if you pledge $50. And this is just the cutest thing. I just love this. I love this one of Dorian. <laughs> it's just so funny. So if you pledge $50, you can get a cartoon version of yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so on my channel, I, you can watch the video. <laughs> I was like filming, talking about colors. And then like 
okay, this sounds cringy, but I like farted really loud. And so you can hear me do that in the middle of talking about cadmium yellow. Yeah, I know. But it made you click, right, Blue? Yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> We've got time for two or three more questions. So if you have something you'd like to ask me, pick my brain. You've got about 30 seconds to get that question in there. And I'll let you know. I mean, I really like these Q&A sessions. We don't do them all the time, but I'm curious, do people like these? Should we do them more often? Because they're really easy for me. Like I just click live and I'm done. <laughs> I don't really have to do anything. Like the other live streams are actually very time consuming because we have to brainstorm the topic. We have to prepare the slideshow and everything. And I know sometimes people just want to hang out. People just have a random question that doesn't fit in some of the other live streams because we do try to keep the chat focused on the topic. On the other hand though, remember we do have this wonderful Discord server. And this is a place where you can just jump in and ask anything. It's a great community and we have phenomenal moderators in the Discord who keep it safe, they keep it inclusive. We boot out people really fast. But this is another one of our programs. Our server is free. I mean, certainly we have paid groups like the Patreon group in there, but anybody can come in here and use the critique channels. And that's something I'm very proud of is that that's where the heart and soul of our community hangs out. So if you're not on the Discord, don't you want to hang out with the cool kids? I, I was never a cool kid, okay? And so now I'm like, I'm a cool kid because I started the server <laughs> I, I really don't think I'm cool still, but I'm like, I can say there are cool people in there. And if you want to be cool, come hang out with us because I never was cool. <laughs> William is saying, how should I get the colors that are almost impossible to mix like bright pink? Sometimes you just have to buy the color. For example, if you're doing fluorescent colors, you can't mix those. You have to just go buy them. And there's nothing wrong with that. There was one time I was painting in a portrait class at RISD and the model had this plaid shirt that was this really specific turquoise and I, I could not mix it. And I really think if I had to really finish that painting, I probably would have gone to the art store and like looked for that exact blue because it was just impossible. There's nothing wrong with doing that. Oh, cool. I'm glad you guys like these laid back streams. Nice to talk or complain <laughs> about art instead of doing it. Well, yeah, a lot of people tell me, like Lena, I like to listen to these streams while sketching. A lot of you tell me that you enjoy these streams because you like hanging out, just chatting. I mean, I do the same thing when Jordan McCracken Foster, he's got his own YouTube channel, The Joe McFo Show. And he usually streams Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific. And so I always remember that that's when he streams. And so oftentimes I will make sure I'm at my desk doing stuff. And it's just really nice. Like I, I oftentimes am not participating that much. Like maybe I'll say hello in the chat. Most of the time I'm working, but I don't know. I, I like it because if it's just me at my desk, I mean, I do that all day. Anyway, I mean, usually I've got Aaron to vape with me. <laughs> I can listen to him on Spotify forever and ever. But it is really nice when you feel like you've got a little bit of company, but you don't have to engage. That's where it does feel like work. 
Oh, good. I'm glad you guys like this. Sometimes I feel a little guilty because I'm like, oh, I'm not working very hard for this stream. I didn't prepare anything. It, it feels like it's not helpful because it's too easy somehow. But if people like these, I can try to do them more. I'm certainly going to do them more because of the raffle because we really need your donations. It really matters. You hear this from every <laughs> fundraising person, but when we get $10 from 30 people, that's $300, which for us is a huge deal. I know sometimes it might feel like, oh, $50 is not, it, it is <laughs> like every time I open my inbox and there's any donation, $3, $10, I go, oh, oh my God, somebody wants to help us. <laughs> and I know there's so many things going on. And of course, there's so many of you who can't contribute and that's fine. I understand that. That's why we're here. So if you can't contribute, what you can do instead, you can like this video. You can just leave comments on our videos. Actually, that's incredibly helpful. That pushes us in the algorithm. It doesn't have to be a smart comment either. You can just say, love this, and YouTube enjoys that. So if you like videos, you comment, you repost, those things are very valuable to us. And so I would greatly appreciate that. I mean, do it right now, like this video right now, and that is gonna help. Um, tell your friends about it. Really, really helpful. Hamtaro says, I can't seem to move past the sketching, brainstorming thumbnail stage and is the creating a finished piece stage because I never think my ideas are good enough. Any tips, should I just go for it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's very interesting, so often, we have something we want to fix. And sometimes we just need permission from somebody else to do it. Because you can think all day in your head about, will this work? Will that? You're just never going to know. And you just have to make bad work. You have to. Let me show you guys one thing. <clears throat> I was doing a lot of these Sweeney Todd sketches. I did a lot. Okay, I'm just going to show them to you guys. And I got one that I like, which is sitting back here. Okay. So I, I did these smaller ones. And, you know, they, they didn't take a very long time. I don't know, maybe not even 10 minutes for a sketch. Okay, I did a bunch of those. And then I did a live stream and this one's really bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. I didn't even post it on Instagram. You know what I did? I waited until we had my art prof bad <laughs> in the Discord because I asked people in the Discord, my art prof bad, post your bad work. And I'm like, I got to save this for my art prof bad <laughs> because it's a really bad drawing. So I did that one. And this one's just floppy. I, I don't like it. It's bad. And I did this one, which to me was a little too straight. I didn't really like it very much. And it wasn't until I did this one that I was like, oh, this is a good one. I mean, look at how many pieces. So you have to let yourself fail, Hamtaro. You have to let yourself do a bunch of pieces that are just bad and then go from there. Yes, exactly. What Inji's saying. Give yourself the permission to make bad art. It's up to you who you show. 
I think also another misconception is people oftentimes think that in order to be an accomplished artist, you have to finish a lot of pieces. That's not true. <laughs> I don't finish a lot of my work. I think I probably only finish about 20% of what I begin because so much of it is about just pushing the process and seeing what I can do. And finishing things is not that important. It may seem like it is, but it's not. Because unless you have a client, you have a deadline, it, it just doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> like I could do this painting, the one I just showed you guys of Sweeney Todd Theater, if I didn't finish it, it wouldn't matter. I mean, it is nice to finish things. It feels good. But I oftentimes, I just don't have the brain power to finish all of the pieces. Sometimes I do it and I'm like, oh, okay, this is just a warm up. Just did it as a tutorial. And this one is going to get finished. What I'm going to do is I'm going to on another sheet of paper, I'm going to write some text and I'll assemble it digitally. And it'll probably be a print that I will have in a shop at some point. Thank goodness. Sweeney Todd is public domain. The character is public domain. After that whole Moulin Rouge thing was, yeah, I, I'm not going to get into it right now. <laughs> oh, good. Peppermint. I tell my students, you can always erase paint over and et cetera. Keep trying. Mm -hmm. Nobody nails it the first time through. That is pretty much impossible. And so don't hold yourselves to these just absurd expectations. Nobody can do that at all. Sarah says, right before the stream, I did a sketch in my sketchbook that I really hate, but I'm really trying not to dwell on it. it wasn't wasted time. I'm sure I learned something. You don't always have to know what you learned. <laughs> Sometimes it's just, I hate this drawing. <laughs> it makes me mad and that's okay. It's fine. But I think if we consider that a lot of people don't finish a lot of work, it feels a little better just to know because I do think with social media, artists are held to these absurd standards that don't exist because people curate heavily on what they do they don't show you the really bad drawings i got a lot you guys <laughs> like there's a reason why my art prof bad has never ended like i will never run out of options for posting my art prof bad within the discord for sure Otavia is asking about the chaotic lines well you know something if you want to see me do the whole thing beginning to end. We do have a live stream. Just look up Art Prof Posca, which is the markers that I'm using, and you'll find it. Yeah. Rotten Boy Play says maybe in the future you'll find what was missing in a previous painting. There's no rush. Absolutely. There's so many times I have a piece and I'm like, oh, it's useless, right? And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe it's still bad. Or maybe I real oh, you know something? Actually, this part was pretty good. A anybody ever do that? Because we always talk about how our art stresses us out. But have you ever gone back and looked at your old work and said to yourself, you know what? I was pretty good. <laughs> like that's happened to me a couple times. I'll look at my work from art school from the 90s. And I'm like, you know, I 
one's pretty good. <laughs> Most of the time I'm cringing like crazy, but that does happen to me once in a while. It is a very funny thing. Miriam, thank you so much for the super sticker. Keep those contributions coming. The raffle ends Tuesday, November 21st. And we need your support, everybody. All right, everybody. I'd like to say a huge thank you to our top Patreon supporters. The Patreon amount we get, it is the vast majority of our budget comes from the Patreon. And if we just lost the Patreon one day, we would go under like that. We would just totally fold. So I know it looks like, oh, wow, you make so much money, but you guys, we've got expenses. We've got staff to pay. And so these top Patreon supporters, you guys probably have no idea how important your ongoing contributions are. Of course, We'll take it anytime. <laughs> you can send us a one-time donation anytime you want. But I think a lot of people don't realize how much we rely on this and that we would go under if it was not there. Visit ourprof.org. We have so much content that is not on YouTube. Use the search bar to find what you need. Artprof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. And enter that raffle so I can sleep a little better at night. I mean, I'm a bad sleeper anyway. So <laughs> no Discord chat today, you guys. I have to crash because I'm doing a workshop tomorrow on flesh tones that I'm very excited about. But thank you so much, everybody. This is really fun. I'll see if I can squeeze in a few more in the future. Bye.